Hey kid, you wanna take a sword and join the revolution? Today I'm talking about Agame Ga Kill. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I am talking about an anime, a short-form anime show, uh, just one season, which is called Agame Ga Kill, based on the manga of the same name. And it's one that I enjoyed thoroughly for most of it, and then by the end, there's kind of a twist to it. So I'm going to get into it, but if you're an anime fan and want to know what I thought of this particular series, let's get started. As popular as long-running anime franchises like Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, and Naruto are, I thoroughly enjoy single-season anime. It requires a lot less investment than an average series, and you go in knowing you've got a definitive end in your future. Hence my affection for shows like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood or Cowboy Bebop. So when I stumbled across a young man who unexpectedly joins a group of revolutionary assassins, I was in. And the show itself is almost perfect. Until the finale. The story follows a young boy named Tatsumi, who travels to the capital of his empire to make his fortune and save his dying village. But while there, he quickly discovers that the capital is full of rampant corruption, and soon finds himself in league with an incredible group of assassins called the Night Raid, who take out targets for an upcoming revolution. The appeal of Agame Ga Kill is straightforward. It follows a lot of the patterns of the hero's journey, boy becomes a man via war, etc., through the lens of an anime. The added benefit is that because he's a newbie, we get proper introductions to all of the characters, their weapons, and get to view their fights. The art is great, the characters are solid, and I like the series' blend of medieval styles. For instance, European, Japanese, and beyond all slam together into one (laughs) visual style. So here's what stands out. The first element is the weapons. Each member of the Night Raid, and many of their most powerful opponents, all wield weapons called Imperial Arms. Each weapon is, in essence, emotionally bonded to its user, kind of like a green lantern ring, and has a distinctive ability. The titular Akame has a poison sword that kills its target with one slice, another has a gun that gets more powerful the more danger the user is in, and another has a powered-up suit of armor that increases their power and allows them to become invisible. That's the baseline. The majority of the weapons also have what they call a trump card, or hidden ability that the user can reveal in a pinch. While the setup sounds simple, the emphasis on unique abilities for each weapon makes every single fight a strategic battle versus a battle of who's stronger, for the most part. For instance, Agame's goal in every fight is to close the distance between herself and her opponent so she can deliver a lethal strike, while her opponent will do everything to cover up. The trump cards also operate as a built-in tide changer, so a foe can pull out a big gun for one last hurrah, or a surprise to throw their attacker off guard. It means anyone who's fighting against someone they've seen fight before is in an advantage, and that the majority of the fights are spent trying to figure out an opponent's abilities, while keeping them at bay at the same time. And since each opponent is emotionally bonded to their weapon, different kinds of opponents create different kinds of challenges. For instance, the gun-wielding mine has a sniper's accuracy and a very powerful weapon, especially when she's in danger, but her basic hand-to-hand combat skills are limited, so any opponent with immense physical strength has to be dodged and avoided so she can line up her shot. 
All of these fights are also excellently animated and feature stunning choreography, especially in the hand-to-hand -hand combat, with perfect exposition and strategy peppered in to explain the tactics. The show also does a very good job of giving each assassin and weapon a chance to shine. Almost every weapon gets to show off its most impressive features either right off the bat or in a desperate last-minute maneuver, or right before its user dies. Which brings us to a true war story. The show flips this presumed premise on its head from the very beginning. Initially, it looks like this is going to be your standard boy becomes a man and journey with his friends to become an impressive warrior. But by the end of the first episode, Tatsumi is disillusioned and his two friends are dead. That's episode one. And those friends aren't the last ones to go. Like a legitimate black ops unit in war, you shouldn't get attached to anyone in this show. Because quite a few named characters will die, which is honestly so unexpected in something like this. Typically, death is something anime reserves for a crucial turning point in our lead character's journey, or the end of a particularly rough arc, but Akame treats it like a matter-of-fact element of war. Our heroes grieve the fallen, remember the lessons they were taught, and perhaps seek vengeance, but otherwise they try to move on as quickly as possible. The show hammers this home, with so many members of Night Raid seeming aloof when they've already suffered a lot of tragedy and are deathly afraid of it happening again. But uh, that approach falls flat by the end, and I want to explain why, so spoiler alert for the ending, and why it frustrated me. As much as I liked this more realistic soldiers die in war approach, the end of Akame left me unsatisfied, and I think the production history bears some of the responsibility. While the entire show is based on a manga of the same name, the final five episodes were created before the manga had wrapped meaning the showrunners thought up their own ending to the show, and sadly, you can tell. The easiest way is to look at the final episode's execution of setup and payoff. In one of the last episodes before the changeover, Tatsumi and Mine, two characters who have been bickering like siblings the entire show, are approached by a religious leader who says the two of them are destined to get married. They both say eo gross like teenagers would, but quickly develop feelings for one another. The natural ending to this is Tatsumi and Mine getting married once the revolution is over. And here we hit a giant snag because they're both dead by the time the revolution is over. Mine confesses her love for Tatsumi after saving his life and dies. Which isn't satisfying at all. Not just because she keeps those feelings internal up until she dies, even though said feelings were the secret behind her strongest attacks to date, but also because it ruins the setup. Now they can't get married and admit the religious leader was right all along. This might have been forgivable if it was a one-off, but then they kill off Tatsumi in the second-to-last episode. While it may not fit firmly in the genre, Agame ga Kill fits a lot of the tropes of the shonen anime, a genre of anime known for its emphasis on male teenage protagonists who become credible warriors after a lot of fighting and training. For all intents and purposes, Tatsumi is our protagonist and a shonen hero. He's our main point of view, whom we've got watched get stronger and more capable after every battle. Not only that, but numerous characters have made him promise not to die before every fight like he has an unspoken death wish, or don't want him to sacrifice himself for nothing. And as uncommon as it might be to kill off named characters in a sh like this in a show, no one kills off an anime protagonist unless it's the final episode. Is his death heroic? Absolutely. Does he pull out an amazing new ability? Also, yes. Does it feel as close to as poetic and meaningful as it should be? 
no. And that's how most of the final episodes feel, like something's a little bit off. I don't think it ruins the series, but it does mean I ended the show feeling like I was done with it versus wanting more. And I'll admit that reading up on the manga ending, which was more upbeat, only solidified this feeling. Agame Ga Kill demonstrates the good and bad of a limited series, because while it's easy to keep things fresh, you also don't have time to fix mistakes. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World. Stay safe, everybody, and I'll catch you next time.